Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Chloe. Chloe, how are you doing today? I am doing very good. And yourself? Oh, excellent, excellent. Just hanging out, talking about writing. You know, it's always fun to do. So, <laughs> and just for those of us that are tuning in, um, uh, for both. Um, Chloe, I met on Twitter just a little while back. I saw her book, The Girl of Ash and Snow. And I was like, who is this CM Quinn person? So I clicked on uh, Chloe's Twitter and immediately took me to um, this amazing book. So Chloe, uh, real quick, do you want to just let our audience know um, what your first book is about here? So my first book, The Girl of Ash and Snow, uh, follows a daring kind of rescue across this um this empire that's kind of on the cusp of rebellion like you book sort of starts off with this attack and our main character's village is taken and she's thrust into this unknown world and she's you know strikes up a an unlikely alliance with a sort of a particular character and they they journey off and you know they enter into this land and they're both these fish out of water like neither of them have any knowledge of this world so you kind of join them on this journey and uh pretty much their reluctance to get involved in this rebellion they're like no we just we really want to like her focus is to rescue her people and she doesn't want to get involved in all this political bullshit uh and all this stuff going on but sort of through necessity she kind of you know finds herself um involved in things pretty much beyond her control but yeah I am terrible at describing my book and I, I swear to god at some point I mean I've only you know I've only seen the overview and a couple of you know the things like that on you know the different places where you posted it um but I mean it seems like a really good like, description of the book and it definitely uh definitely sounds interesting to me uh yeah just I like I said before we started recording as soon as I saw the cover I was like oh I'm in you know and I went and looked at the blurb and everything, but I have to say this overview on Barnes and Noble is just like terrific. So it looks uh, looks really, really good, really jealous. Um, so yeah, you guys will have to uh, check it out. I will be uh, posting the link, obviously, as we always do um, for Chloe's book here in the description for YouTube, Spotify, and RSS.com. Uh, I think you guys will be really surprised and just have to snatch the book up right away uh, as soon as you uh, get to it and read that overview. Mm. Oh, me, you guys. Oh, you know what? Sorry, it wasn't allowing me to share for those of you. I just got to share it again. <laughs> I don't know. If, are you able to see it this time, Chloe, or no? Yes, you... yes, I can see it now. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, I, I haven't seen too many overviews like this, and I really like it. Um, not online, at least. I've seen a lot of them like this on the back of books and things like that. Um, quite a few actually um, from Forgotten Realms um, and a lot of them really I'd say from like the late 2000s and I really wish people um, you know would really divide their overview um, like this um, you know into place and characters and things like that I just think that for me I'm just like you know like really busy and stuff so I just want to go right into <laughs> really like what the books and I feel like some people you know they put that huge Amazon blurb on there um, whereas I think an overview like this it just looks clean cut i'm a really organized person so 
Um, to me, this just looks really good. So I really like it, how it looks on here. Well, it kind of came out more of necessity because of sort of the nature of the story and the scope um, with the fact that, yeah. so in the book, you, there's, I should know, it's like about four different point of views. So this isn't a single point of view book. You've got different voices. Um, so because there was a few different storylines going on and I really wanted to write a blurb that kind of captured that and trying to condense a blurb where it was just kind of focusing on one person's story. It was, I want a reader to go into this book with the understanding that it's, you know, it's not just Ren's story, it's Lorca's story, it's Saoirse's story as well. Um, and it's all these different worlds colliding uh, in this really desperate struggle for for hope for a future um, and what and kind of trying to flip a few tropes of you know rebellions and the idea that the people leading these rebellions are so heroic and noble but I kind of wanted to pose that question with this story is you know potentially what if the person leading this rebellion is not you know is not that heroic fear you know they could potentially be a lot worse um so that was a really fun thing about this story and why I structured the blurb in the way that I did so funny that you say that because I was just listening to this podcast that was talking about um Joan of Arc <laughs> and how uh basically like she would have taken over all of Europe um and some people wonder you know like what her story would have been like um so I, to me that's kind of interesting um that you say that uh, about your book so I I had seen that somewhere i don't know if you had mentioned it or if i looked at the blurb or um uh, somewhere where you were discussing it um so to me i think it was on twitter it just seemed really interesting it was like right after i listened to that podcast um, about joan of arc and you know listened to a couple other podcasts too about different i was kind of on like a rebellion um you know um like podcast like rabbit hole i guess and I was yeah. all these different people so it was just funny how I think it was literally like later that day or the next day that your book kind of came into my view. So I just thought that that was kind of really interesting. It was kind of serendipity, if you will. So I'm really looking forward to this one. So my wife, she's like, have you gotten any adults? Like, uh, I'm just going to get on my phone and then go right to the, uh, <laughs> get right into the, uh, the Amazon Kindle when it, when it gets here. So some of them, sorry, some of the people, I just, some of them just can't wait for. So you just got to get them. <laughs> There's uh, somebody, I'm trying to remember, one of my friends just published his and I like immediately went and grabbed it and he's like, <laughs> you're kid already? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to like sign in and read it. And he was like, okay. He goes, I thought you were going to wait. I was like, yeah, no, I couldn't wait. <laughs> and I already started reading like on uh, the first couple chapters of it. So, all right. So if you uh, don't mind just starting with that first question I sent you there, Chloe. Uh, sorry, I just, I, as soon as I saw that before we started recording, I just felt like that was good to share. And, you guys on YouTube can go and check that out while you're listening. Um, so in that first question, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? And I'm really interested for you to answer that for our audience because I feel like, you know, we already talked about it before we started recording. So usually people are pretty warmed up by now and always give us a pretty good answer. So, so it's, it's been a long journey in terms of when I started writing. So I started putting words on a laptop, so to speak, or, you know, penning it on word because um, I started that when I was about 14. I remember it actually being 
the start of high school and talking with a friend and I still always will never forget this conversation and we were raiding uh, out the front of our classroom ready to kind of start for the day and he's like hey I wrote this short story and I read it and I was like this is incredible this is amazing um and I remembered going home that night and going I really want to write something and it was the first time that I was like oh my god I actually want to write something and through kind of a few events online I found myself on <laughs> I'm so bad to say this but I I started on Wattpad um which is very well known so I started on it when it was a very young website so it's changed so much um and I was writing on that for about seven years and I did fairly well with it with a few stories um and then I kind of had a little bit of a I guess a little bit of a falling out with it because I think one of the stories that did really well on it I I didn't want that to be my brand and I kind of pulled it off and you know started writing on things that I was a little bit more proud of and they weren't doing as well and I kind of had to go back to the drawing board and I was like okay I need to pull off Wattpad because it was feeling a little bit toxic at the time Oh, yeah. And I I jumped on a bunch of other websites. I was on a website called Panana for a while, which hmm. was really good because I just wrote short stories on this. And I'd never written short stories, and I did that for months and months and months. And that website was actually where The Girl of Ash and Snow first started. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I, I remembered writing it, and it actually got really good feedback for the draft. And um, I think I only wrote about half the book on there before I, I went into a little bit of a hiatus with it eventually you know went back to Wattpad put it on Wattpad and and finished the draft and you know it it started to do you know pretty comfortably on there and um everything was going well and then Wattpad got rid of their like community forums which was how I was networking and 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 getting friends and sharing my story and and it was through a little bit of neutral complaining with a friend uh, who was also on the side at the time and she got me onto Discord, which, uh, and she got me onto a few writing groups on Discord and that is quite literally where this story just, it actually started to take shape because I met people that were amazing, amazing writers um, and readers and just passionate about what they did and, you know, they were a huge reason uh, for the the story got off the ground and one of the members on there and I know he's going to listen to this um <laughs> and his his name's his name's Robert and he's an amazing man um he's very very good at reading and very good at like critically analyzing a book and I kind of knew that he was a bit blunt with his feedback but I was like no I'll be fine this is great this is perfect <laughs> And I went into it with such a naive expectation. He got he got two-thirds of the way into it and I was like, please stop. I was like, this is like beating a dead horse. Um, so I had a pity party for a few days with it and then picked myself up, dusted myself off and pretty much hit the notes and just re well, didn't rewrite it. I like I didn't start a whole new book. I pretty much just went back to the start of it and I just edited it and did really heavy structural editing and, and talked to him and really sort of listened to his feedback. And yeah, he was amazing. And kind of the rest is history. And, you know, I kept doing rounds and rounds of editing and now it's getting ready for release. 
Well, it sounds like uh, Robert needs to do the same thing with book two for you. <laughs> <laughs> he he will get it when I am ready to surrender it to his mercy. Uh, he's amazing. But there is like a degree of mental preparation. Um, <laughs> I want to do a little bit of for a workout. <laughs> <Or a marathon> yeah, <laughs> prepare for the marathon and we we jokingly say we get a lot of new guys in this discord group and you know everyone's got this really enthusiastic you know excitement about getting their, their work read because we do weekly pairings on the discord server so you pair up with someone and you read it read a few chapters of each other's work and we always say to guys we're like you know there's plenty of people on here there's a great list of people maybe try these guys first don't start with him necessarily first um especially like if you're boss, not used to boss level <laughs> <laughs> and we're like if you want to do it here's the therapy group you may need afterwards and if you're <laughs> legally old enough to drink you may need a drink afterwards he's like i i say this with such respect for him he's amazing he's just very good at what he does um but he doesn't mince words and he if he can see that it's something worth like he sees potential in it. He's even harder on it because he's like, you can do better. He's... So I look, a lot of respect for him and a lot of just adoration for this man and his ability to write stories as well. It's interesting you say that because I, my friend, my best friend's pretty similar. Like I, uh, I told him, I was like, I don't want, I sent him a little like chapter one of the urban fantasy I was working on and I liked how it went and I sent it to him and he was like, I love this, but I did not like this. And I was like, are you sure you didn't like it? Like, are you positive? He's like, yeah, no, it didn't work. Uh, and I was just, he's like, it didn't work for me. I'm like, okay. And I told him, I was like, I really like that because, you know, then I went back and looked at it and I was like, oh, man, this totally didn't work. <laughs> like how, you know, like how I wanted. So I definitely think, uh, you know, I uh, think it's really good to find people, you know, who will give you really good feedback and criticism. And, you know, again, like you said, right, like really, really want you do it because they want you to succeed. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that. I actually think it's funny that you mentioned, you know, Robert, because there's a lot of people I think who, you know, could use that type of, you know, criticism and critiques and really think about their own writing. I've just seen some people on Twitter last week who are like, I said 20 people in my book, only like five people liked it. Should I never write again? And I'm like, five people really liked your book. Like, it doesn't matter if the other 15 didn't, like maybe it's not there, you know, it's not that your book uh, isn't for them, you know, like I, I know, like I didn't really like Wheel of Time the first time I tried getting an Eye of the World. And then 10 years later, I loved it, you know, and um, Dresden Files, sorry, now everybody's going to stop watching the channel. Uh, Dresden <laughs> Files, the first time I went through it, I wasn't really into it, but it wasn't in urban fantasy yet. Uh, the first time my, um, actually my friend Tyler, Tyler, happy birthday. Um, it's, uh, you know, he had years ago at his birthday, um, I had, he wanted this book hounded by Kevin Hearn. So I bought him the first three, uh, they were on sale and he's like, you should really try it after you got done reading them. And I was like, no, I'm okay. Well then when I moved to Phoenix, I was reading them and they became some of my favorite books. Uh, so I just think it's interesting they say that because some people are really worried about feedback and I personally am really excited for it, uh, particularly for my draft too. Cause you know, I just think I love feedback. I think it's really, you know, just really important and you can't always obviously please everybody, but I think it, it's interesting to see, you know, where if you get somebody good like that, it does make you better, I feel like. So, yeah, maybe some people need to practice a little bit, maybe on having some thick skin, but I'm a teacher, so I get criticized all the time. So maybe I don't have any yeah. skin. 
<laughs> you've, you've you've got to have. I think you've definitely got to have thick skin. I think thicker skin than I think some people might start writing when they're going into all of this. They they're like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, sweetie, you, you're gonna need a little bit of thick skin for this. Like, people be brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like I've got a group of really good. Um, I've got a really good good group of beta readers and like they're all kind of they're all varying degrees of like strengths um but they're all like really critical in the areas that i need them to be um but you know sometimes it's not easy to like see those comments because i'll put it up on a like a g-doc because i write on word and then i put it up on g-docs so that they can comment and i can work with it a bit easier but sometimes you see their comments and you're like you're just like oh that that imposter syndrome just starts to creep in. <laughs> I uh, I've talked to a couple of people recently who have written like thirty books, and they said that it never goes away. So <laughs> no, don't tell me that. I was under some impression that this goddamn imposter syndrome would would just leave someday. Even Stephen don't need King to know. quoted Stephen King was just quoted uh, three weeks ago um, an article that uh, a couple people were shared around. Dirk Ashton was one of them, I think I got it from. I think it was him. Um, yeah, and Stephen King had said the same thing, that he had imposter syndrome. <laughs> so. No, I don't want to know that. I want to live in a fantasy world where I do not have imposter syndrome every second day. The King, the King himself. Like, uh, oh, so I, I love his writing. He's just an amazing author. You know, when I first got on a Twitter about three years ago, like back on a Twitter, I guess, three years ago, um, I looked up Stephen King. I thought I'll be funny to follow him. And his only thing he said in his bio was, you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love his tweets too. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You have like a lot of really big authors and they, you know, they'll occasionally put up tweets, but his are just like genuinely funny at times. And you're just like, it's perfect. Somebody asked me like, who's one author you like hang out with? I'm like, oh, I'd love to hang out with Stephen King for a day. I'm just like, Bask in his glory. <laughs> like, love to ask him some dark tower questions or something like that, or some it questions. I guess like I have a lot of questions for him. A lot of his books, I guess, like Stan, things like that. Yeah, yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, if you guys haven't uh, checked him out on Twitter yet, you guys really should. Uh, the last few years, he's been especially funny. I feel like so <laughs> he's always uh, very comical. Uh, I really like this one that you had an idea for. Um, so that number two. Uh, why did you choose self-publishing over traditional? And I really feel like a lot of people maybe don't know why, um, and maybe it's good for them to hear why, you know, other authors have chosen um, self-publishing over traditional. I think, you know, there's still a huge stigma there. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about that the last couple of interviews, but I think it's really good, again, to, to bring up and get somebody else's opinion on. So there you go. Sure. So when I like got towards the stage, it was actually, it was earlier this year that I really sat down and was like, okay, this is a story I, I want to pursue. I want to get out into the world. How am I going to do this? And, you know, I tossed and turned between, you know, querying for traditional, which I have, I don't really have a lot of issues with. Um, there's a couple of reasons why I didn't want to go traditional and I'll sort of touch on that at first. And, a lot of it came down to just the control over your own work and the actual license. And I think I'd heard too many, you know, whether this is the greatest reasoning for not going traditional, but 
um, you know, the control that you have over your own work and your brand and, you know, your stories and where you want to take them. Um, and I, I want to write on multiple genres, but I want to keep it all under the same pen name, so to speak. I don't want to have five different pen names. Um, I can barely keep track of one. I am not trying to keep track of like five. Um, but ultimately, a lot of my reasoning, I had to take a long, hard look at sort of my life and my work and my work schedule and all of that. And, you know, in self-publishing, it just offered me control over my work, the flexibility to actually pick my release days and actually structure it around my life and my work because um so I'm a sailor in in the navy um and I love what I do and it's incredible but obviously the nature of my job means that I kind of have to have a lot more control over my releasing of my work and okay. when I do it so it kind of became a no-brainer at that point to go self-publishing um and I I just I didn't want to go through the effort <laughs> the effort but the sort of that journey of you know querying and getting an agent and then getting a publishing house um I was like oh, I was like you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this off my own back it's either gonna fail or not it's gonna be on me but you know I've got creative control over my work and you know I've got a really good team behind me and why not I had the financial ability through work um to be able to do self-publishing and I have a lot of good friends that are querying and going the traditional route and I am absolutely championing, championing them for their journey just as they're doing the same for me. Um, yeah, it was just traditional. It didn't really gel with kind of where I am at, at this point in my life. I might do it down the track. I might not. Um, but at this point, I'm self-publishing. It's a terrifying experience. It's not easy. Um, it's not cheap at times, as I've d discovered um but I don't regret it I don't I think you know being able to hold my first copy in my hands really only a few, like a week and a half ago two weeks ago was the moment I was like no I've I've made the right decision like this this is my my journey now yeah I think you bring up just some great points I mean you know we've, like I said we talked quite a bit about this um but I I think it still is again you know, there's a lot of stigmatism towards, you know, indie publishing and which is crazy, you know, because you, you again, you look at, you know, your book like yours with, you know, I, I have to assume, you know, and I've said this a lot about different, you know, fantasy and sci-fi authors from the indie community. You just have to assume that looking at somebody's book cover, their blurb, you know, and how they're able to describe their book, I really feel like are three key things on if I'm going to buy that book and, you know, I feel, you know, you have a really good product here and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, again, you could have been waiting two years, you know, especially during this pandemic, three years if somebody did pick it up, you know, and, you know, who, who knows how long it could have taken, you know, it could have just been that just for, you know, right. When you're querying just for an editor or an agent, let alone, you know, when they're trying to sell, you know, this great book and, you know, you could be already on, you know, your first done trilogy could be on your second trilogy by then, you know, in the same world or something like that, you know, for indie publishing. So, yeah, it's just being um, a couple people were talking about Michael R. Fletcher and uh, Dirk Ashton, them for Wizards, Warriors and Words. If you nobody on line has checked them out yet, we reference them a lot. Please go take a look. 
um, you know, but they had just talked about this and, you know, the very long process. And, uh, and it's funny that you said that because Rob J. Hayes had mentioned on there, he's one of the hosts, and he had mentioned actually um, his horrible experience with his book one um, with a, um, a particular publisher. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, some of your fears are, are well-founded there. So it's, I think it's, I personally like the fact that, you know, like your book, you can just do whatever you want with it. Um, you, know, you can up the prices when you want, you can, you know, lower them. Um, you know, you can choose when you're releasing book two. I definitely think that you're hundred percent there. It's just a lot nicer to have, you know, free range of control of your baby basically. So, yeah. Well, that was, I think, not so much with this series, but the other series that I'm hoping, book one, hoping I can get released next year, um, is going to be a little bit more of a paranormal story, a little bit more with an LGBTQ cast, because I am a bisexual author myself. Um, and I really wanted to write that, but I knew that, like, we're seeing, thank God, we are actually seeing a lot more big publishing houses uh, producing a lot of representation for these kinds of books yeah. um but I was concerned that if I tried to query that book that you know if they would try and censor it or change it and because of the nature of that book it's you know my first kind of book where the whole cast is predominantly queer and I that was that book holds a very special place as well and I was like yeah. I'm not letting a publisher near that because I, I want to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm protective of my babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think you make a really good, a lot of really good points just with that answer alone. And, you know, as somebody who almost sold two screenplays, but they were going to butcher them, I just decided not to sell them. I was in, I was, I was in high school and I was just like, I don't want to sell them to you. And, you know, years later, I'm like, God, that was probably dumb. But, you know, I just... You know, it wasn't for a lot of money even, but which was probably a better thing, you know, because somebody probably would just taken it and done whatever. But yeah, I just, they were going to, they already had butchered it. And I was like, no, I'm okay. You know, it's that, yeah, it's just, it's hard, right? When you spend all that time and energy on something and somebody, you know, doesn't, it's not even that they don't like it, right? It's just that they want to make it completely different. Um, you know, especially if you like, you're talking about, right, that like main point or, you know, just the, the feelings even that you have while writing. Um, you know, the characters, the story, you know, and that feeling that you're connecting with um, and that you want the audience to connect with. When someone's trying to change that, it's like, what's what's even the point at that point? So, yeah, it's definitely a interesting market, I think, still for, you know, Indian traditionally uh, published. Yeah. You know, again, it's like, it's, um, you know, like you can, like you said, you can really do whatever you want, you know, and share whatever message. And I think that's what I personally like about indie publishing, you know, is that you can publish that book. I can read it right away and again, connect with what you connect with, you know, with writing it um, as the reader. And yeah, I just think that there's a huge disconnect with traditionally published uh, books just in general right now versus indie published books, uh, particularly fantasy and sci-fi, because I just think that they're really behind, um, you know, like you got Joe Amber Crombie, Brandon Sanderson, and, you know, um, Martha Wells and these people who are terrific, but, you know, I definitely think that there's a lot that we're missing and, you know, in traditionally published and you can get that in indie published. So. Yeah. Like I, I love, I love indie for, for that reason alone, just like the stories you find and you're like, I don't know if I would necessarily find this from a major publishing house, but you're like, this story is just perfect 
is just chef's kiss and you're like I've I've encountered I'm starting to read a lot more indie books now and it's just so much so many so many good books out there yeah it's really hard like I well like I you know before we started filming I was talking about um you know Clayton Snyder's um Cold West and that book I just it changed it literally like changed something in my mind for like how like I was writing my own book and you know like I was saying it's it's a conglomeration of science fiction a western and fantasy and I'm not writing that but just something something about how his prose was there and the perspectives of his characters just totally shifted and I think it is really nice you get so many different outlooks on stories and things like that and um yeah I just said actually it's funny that you mentioned like um you know the book you're talking about and um my friend and I were just talking about the LGBTQ community and how you know there's in the traditionally published world there seems to be a disconnect with like i don't know really like like wheel of times one of those we're reading um uh malazan book of the fallen and steven erickson just like has lgbtq communities everywhere in his books and it's just it's really interesting because you know those are two traditionally published authors that have been around for a really long time and nobody ever seems to mention you know their books and these characters in you know in the communities and it's just kind of interesting to me my buddy and i were just talking about that and he you know we just talked actually last sunday and, um he's like i just really like stephen erickson's books he's like i see myself you know as part of this community in these books and he's like and if and stephen erickson does it in a way where like it doesn't feel oh it's a term he used you know what i mean like it doesn't feel like um didn't even feel like he was trying you know it just like he just made everybody part of his world and you know and just showed that they're unique and that they're people and I don't know we just felt like he did just a fabulous job and it wasn't like he was you know trying to sell books I guess is really what he was saying um but yeah it was just it's really cool and I just really think though that you know other than you know Gideon the ninth uh you know like there are some, you know, like that have really, I think in the traditionally published world, right, have really kind of opened that gate, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's just to me, there's still a lot more, you know, in indie publishing. Uh, and it's just really cool because I think you're getting a lot more in indie publishing and it's, you know, really cascading into traditionally published uh, books. And I think it's going to be really cool the next, you know, four or five years to really see the, you know, LGBTQ community really represented more uh, in traditionally published. So. Oh, like some of the books that I've read like at the moment, like, well, this one was traditionally published, but it was Cemetery Boys by Aiden, uh, Aiden That's Thomas. Really oh my God, I read that and I was like, this is amazing. And it felt so good to see that kind of, um, to, to see that, like those books, like on the bookshelf. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. See, I didn't know. I'm so glad you said that because I didn't know that it was that was traditionally published. So that's actually really, really good to know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's got a little little publishing house symbol on the corner. I'm look. I would have to do more digging to see like what house he's with, but I'm pretty sure it is traditionally. Like, I don't think it's indie or self published in the way that say me or a few other authors are. And but I think yeah, I'm pretty sure. I actually have to get off my bookshelf, but I'm pretty sure it is a um. A traditionally published book 
well some lately i feel like um you know some you know certain books like that where so many indie authors have you know recommended them or you know i see them a lot so you know and that's what i was just talking to michael webb about is like it's kind of hard to point to you know to it's kind of to pick you know and just depending on you know where where they're published or where you get them it's like it's just kind of interesting but i guess i had said to him i said well i'm looking at a lot of things on kindle now and i used to only you know go into um independent independently published bookstores or you know traditionally published bookstores and you know actually get physical books but now i'm actually you know because i'm getting a kindle i'm actually reading them on you know on my phone and things in the meantime uh so it's kind of hard i feel like you know because you're just going to amazon um for most of them you know you know then i don't really know if they're traditionally published so ends up uh kind of being a a very interesting search i think to uh to determine which ones on my shelf are and aren't at this point um on my kindle so yeah very well yeah. like it's and it's really hard like when you're on amazon you're like oh yeah that's and that's kind of this misconception that you see like a really you know you might see a not so great cover and a not so or like a really good cover and you're like oh that one's clearly traditionally published and surprise surprise like i've seen some incredible self-published books with just absolutely amazing covers um one i one book in particular um by tally morgan uh her uh their book uh the oracle stone um i was chatting to them because they they, off, they offered me um an art copy for their book to read and review and I got like five chapters in and I was like browsing through like where to get the paperbacks and I ended up just buying a copy off Barnes and Nobles and I was like I will review it once I've got the paperback because this book is amazing and like five chapters in and I was like no I'm, I need to I need to pay for this I need a physical copy in my hand oh yeah um, and they they did both the cover like they did their covers for their for their stories and it was just so amazing like I was like just so so much talent Oh yeah, I mean, and you know, again, um, you know, you look at Cemetery Boys, and as soon as that popped up, but well, as soon as somebody had recommended that to me on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago, I looked, I was like, gosh, that's just like that just sounds really cool, and yeah, it just again, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm still not sure about this one if it's traditionally published or not. Um, it does I mean, say I, I I could be wrong. Well, it says indie bound, but I don't know what that is because it looks like it's a um. A magazine or something. I have to check that out. Do some deep dive research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If anybody I knows, mean, free to comment. Uh it's just it's interesting, right? Again, where we talked about where it, you know, again, it's like you have uh, I think you make a good point there though, because you know, years ago it's like I think I was eight years ago, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I met Kevin Hearn, Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Rutherfuss. Um You met Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, before like like right after he got right like done writing um oh my gosh oh, help me out here guys in the audience um it's book 12 or 13 for the wheel of time and then he had just put out the way of like just put out the way of kings uh that oh, i love that book <laughs> i'm i'm saving it for book club with my buddy um we're almost done with malzan book of the fallen um and then we're actually going to do way of kings and a couple other ones by brandon but um oh my gosh like <laughs> warbreaker and alloy of law alloy of law and then there was another one that i read of his which i'm totally blanking right now but like yeah Mist i love series no we're actually saving mistborn 
Um, I get ready to book two of uh, Alloy of Law. Because um, I think I'm up to, is it Oathbringer? It's the latest one on the Way of Kings. Or no, it's not the latest one because I thought it was and then he dropped another one. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Recently, yeah. What was it, like two months ago or something like that? Yeah. Well, I just think it's interesting. My friend, he's like, well, I want to read Way of Kings. And I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment, my, you know, since I got it from Brandon, like at the bookstore. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, it was really cool. And you could tell he was very jet lagged. Um, Brandon, if you're listening <laughs> to this, it was still awesome to meet you. Um, I definitely want to uh, talk to you. I didn't even know who he was. Like I had, you know, like I was there to meet Kevin Hearn and then Patrick Ruth of us. I was just like, oh, in the name of the wind. Yeah, I'll buy that. Have you sign it? And I took pictures of both of them and talked to both of them. But yeah, like I had went and talked to Kevin Hearn, Brian McCullen. Um, oh man, there's, there's, oh, I talked to Michael J. Sullivan was there. He was funny, right? He goes, I, cause at the time, and I'm not saying that, you know, I was the reason for this, but at the time, um, uh-huh. <laughs> his first three books did not have numbers on them. And I had went all over to try and find one of his books. And they were so popular that you couldn't find one. Um, and I had found out he was going to be there late within five days. So I had ordered, I think, book one. It hadn't gotten there yet. And what I thought was book one was book two. So I took it to have him to sign. And he was teasing me. He's like, you're not even going to bring me book one? And I was like, <laughs> well, say it on the side. I said, how do you know which one's book one, two, and three? And now, just saying, you go to Barnes & Noble, that says one, two, and three on the spine. So not saying it was me, but I just thought it was really funny. And it's like always a cool anecdote. But yeah, there was like so many people there and it was just, it was really cool. There's so many people I have on the bookshelf too that like I'm trying to track down and everything. Um, but yeah, I met like 14 indie authors and I didn't know that they were indie, you know, because again, like you said, like they had amazing covers, their books sounded fantastic. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was so, it was a very interesting mix of traditional uh, and, and indie authors. And yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And especially now, like that was eight years ago. And, you know, it's interesting now to see a book like Cemetery Boys and you're like, I don't know if that's traditionally published or indie published versus when I was looking at indie published books at that time, you know, when there were very few that, you know, I, you know, you could definitely, you know, put on the bookshelf, you know, at Barnes and Noble and you wouldn't be able to tell. Whereas now it's like, I feel like 60, 70% of them you know, you wouldn't be able to tell if you just printed them off, put them at Barnes and Noble. You couldn't tell if that was a traditionally published book, you know, or uh, indie published book. And I think it's really cool that, you know, we're at that point because I definitely think, uh, you know, Michael Webb and I talked about this too. And, you know, I definitely think it really helps out the whole community, right? Because it just makes traditionally published, you know, up the ante. And, you know, again, like you said, you know, really look at, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we have to bring in, you know, different communities that we haven't thought of before, different stories, different characters, you know, different backgrounds, uh, things like that. My buddy and I were just talking about this. We really think that's the way of traditionally published for the future, you know, is, you know, really to be all inclusive. And, you know, I think that's how you get better stories personally. So. Well, you mean you have to, one of the really good um, things that I learned uh, was I'm following an author at the moment um, and her book, just made New York Times bestseller. It was um, the book Iron Iron Widow, and it's super amazing. And the author was um, talking about like she approached, you know, she had the agent. And they approached like all these American publishing houses, and all of them said no. And like she ended up signing with a Canadian publishing house, and it was you know because 
these other houses. They didn't want to touch a story that had poly. It's a YA, like fantasy science fiction kind of story, um, a, sort of a science fiction retelling of um, China's first female emperor. Um, and like it's a cross of Yu-Gi-Oh, like you've got mechas, you've got polyamory and like a bunch of other things. And it's, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, um, I put it on Goodreads. Um, I think it was actually two weeks ago, actually. Um, yeah, about two weeks ago. Yeah, it looked and sounded incredible. Um, and just her story with it and just the book itself, like I've started reading it as well and it is just freaking amazing and well worth all of its, um, all the hype that's around it. So I'm excited to sink into it once I actually have a few more days to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. breathe and read. Yeah, and, you know, it's, you know, I was talking to my buddy because, you know, again, we were, we were talking about Miles and Book of the Fallen and, you know, we were just discussing that, you know, how, um, yeah, just how, like, how, how we were saying, like, for, for so long, particularly in fantasy, you know, and, and sci-fi, it's like, that's what, you know, we both like to read, and, you know, he's like, it just, I think he stayed away from a lot of because, you know, he just couldn't see himself in those roles, and, you know, he was like, you know, I have a lot of things to say, and, He's like, you know, who's to say that I couldn't do these things? And I was like, that's actually a really good point. So um, for like my fantasy world in particular, like, like he's helped me out a lot where, you know, I've really changed a lot of different things um, over the past few years, especially just because I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't have anybody, you know, like this person I've met or from this type of country or from this type of background or who has, you know, who's, who have had these problems, you know, and um, just all sorts of different things, you know, and I just think it's interesting to actually put them into a fantasy setting, you know, cause they are represented in our own world. And yeah, I just think you get better stories that way. And for me, it's like made things so much easier to write because, you know, I, I just have more people to talk to, you know, and get more personalities or backstories or, you know, real life experiences and can kind of put them into a fantasy setting. And I just think that, you know, kind of feel like we've been gypped for a long time because you know we've only had so these stories from these people and you know there's so many other people it's a lot like you know different ethnicities and things like that that haven't been represented a lot um you know within the fantasy and you know in sci-fi setting except for the last like several years um you know there's like there's only so many um european-based fantasy stories that you know i feel like a person can read and like this is a good example uh because i really love like asian history and an artwork and I'm a huge in the martial arts and stuff. So just getting just a different perspective of culture, even um, within fantasy, I think is just a huge step for everybody. So, and then when, you know, when you add different communities of people in there, I think it just makes a, you know, just a much better story and it just makes a better community. I think, because a lot more people will, you know, be more open to reading better stories on different characters. Well, it's definitely, yeah, there's, there's so much to, I'm just so happy that there's there's more representation out there. I actually just picked up a book with um, two Arrow romantic characters. I can't talk too much about the book itself because I haven't actually read it. It literally only just arrived through Amazon today. Because oh, okay. um, I spoke to Tally, I sent them a message and I was like, hey, while you're waiting, while I'm waiting for your book to get delivered, do you have any like recommendations? Because you don't have any other books of yours I can buy. 
can I have some recommendations yeah. um, of, of representation and gave me this amazing list of books. And yeah, there's there's so many out there. So I'm excited oh, to, to see that actually. That'd be great because I have a lot of uh, different people that are always asking me, um, you know, and I try to give them, you know, really good ones. But it's just like you said, there's just so many books and stories out there. So I, I feel like I'm always missing really good stuff. So yeah, I'd love to love to have that and and pass it on to them so well once i've read it i will when we do our next um recording i'll actually uh, oh. remind, remind me we'll um we'll talk yeah. about it because i should have should have read it by then yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how i feel <laughs> i'm always like as one of my friends is like have you read my book yet i was like i'm i'm trying buddy i was like i got distracted i was like scott Owen just sent me this really good book gates of fire uh recommendation this historical uh fiction books so i've been like trying to go through that and then i got caught back on benjamin and i are talking about doing like a um oh a dresden files after i get caught up and we want to do one of those so i'm reading like five books right now and it's it's not the most efficient way for me to read so i need to just not sleep you know like then I'm <laughs> I need to not sleep so I can finish my editing of book two yeah. and finish writing all this other stuff and not have my brain go, hey, here's a really good idea for another series. Like I'm writing two pro <laughs> two separate series at the moment and I've already got an idea for two other series that I just had to like quickly write down notes for. So if I do go back to it, I can take it you know, pick it up in maybe a few years time. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I had to like stop myself. I'm like, nope, nope, don't, don't start it. Just put the notes and just put it away. Yeah. I had that shiny syndrome for a long time. That's why I like, I'm just trying to finish this one book and then at least draft two. And then I'll go to like the shiny new thing, but <laughs> squirrel, squirrel, like story ideas, right? And that was me for like four years. So I got like five books written to like 20, 30,000 words but then I got like nothing else done for them so definitely know that feeling <laughs> uh how about that third question there uh what lessons have been the hardest to learn but the most helpful in terms of maybe your writing or characterization really could be anything I always think this is an interesting one because some people always it's like my students sometimes ask a question I don't ever expect their answer we've gotten some pretty good ones for this one so I think the best sort of lesson that I've learned and I can see this really clearly on on how it's affected me with both book one and two so and that is just write your goddamn draft just get it down it can be absolute garbage there can be plot holes it can be atrocious there can be spelling errors stop going back and editing each chapter as you go just leave the burning pile of trash until you're finished I feel called out right now <laughs> <laughs> no I'm also calling out myself because I I did that for, for the girl of Ash and Snow. Like I was, I think I re-edited like the first few chapters so many times. And I think that's why it took me like nearly a year to to write the whole draft. Um, and, you know, that was only for 110,000 words. And then I completely ignored what I did for that and was like, okay, I'm just going to write the draft. It can be absolutely garbage, but we're going to get a draft out and go from there. And like book two at this stage, uh, is 170,000 words and I wrote that in just under four months so the timeline difference is huge um, but yeah editing is just just do it once you've got your draft out um, and take breaks because I think people 
under it like you kind of underestimate like how quickly you can burn out with a book and you know I think there's definitely been times when I've written books or I've been in the middle of writing and my brain is just like nope nope and I've only written a thousand words that day and you know I might have planned to write five or six thousand words um but I can't I can't do that every day and there's there's definitely days you know where I might be really enjoying that sweet sweet imposter syndrome or you know just really hating the series or the book or just not mentally in a spot to write and for so long I beat myself up about you know not writing every day and you know and having these thoughts and you know and beating myself up for taking breaks and now I'm just like as soon as my head gets into those spots where I'm like okay I'm not actually my brain's not going to let me write I'm just going to close the laptop and I'm going to go watch Netflix for the next three days and just let my brain decompress because like I have some highs and lows with you know mental energy with writing so I just I just do not even try to force it now when it doesn't want to come because it's not going to make my work any good and it's not going to do any good for my, my mental health oh yeah I mean I totally agree I think that's like I said you know before we start filming I just have this stupid character that decided to switch his, you know, entire <laughs> his entire self, like on you know yesterday. So now I have to like wait a couple of days to let it sit and marinate, and then go back look at the research and see if I actually want to let him change. But he seems pretty adamant about it. So yeah, I definitely, no, like, definitely understand I, that. I, like I feel you. Like when I wrote the Girl of Ashes Snow for the first draft, I. Because I had no intention initially to publish it, I was just writing it for the hell of it. I was pantsing the shit out of it, so I had no plot, like no planning for it. I was like, I'm just gonna write this like dumpster fire, and we're gonna see how we go. Because um, I was just writing it for myself. I had no intention of letting anyone really, like beyond sort of the casual followers that I had online. Um, I had no real desire or dream to make it a paperback. I was like, yeah, it's just gonna get shoved in the files and. I just like oh okay just learning all that process and and going through it and I was like "Mm." but I know I had no plan for that book and then I had a loose idea at one point for like the series and it was some god awful way I had structured the series and I was like (laughs) this this is atrocious but I was like no it'll be fine but it wasn't until probably about halfway or three quarters way through it I actually started to have a little bit more of a structure for the series and originally it was a trilogy and then I ended up breaking the last um sort of the last book into into two because I was like no that thing's going to be like 500,000 words if I don't split it (laughs) so you know that's kind of how I've ended up with four books and I've actually got a plan like by the time I finished book one I had a really solid plan for the series and pretty much had the title of book two pretty quickly. And we've just locked in the title of book three because that's currently with the cover company who did book one and book two. Um, they're creating book three's cover and all of that. So once I get, I'm hoping to get the draft of that in the next few days. So I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That's awesome. So what is your favorite genre to write in and why? I feel like that should be a little bit obvious with fantasy, but. <laughs> you know, uh, look, I'm surprised though, because some people had said, like, I was like expecting fantasy or a couple people that write sci-fi and they're like, 
oh, I actually like writing fantasy more, but it just like me, I actually really want to write science fiction and yeah. urban fantasy. But unfortunately, I'm just so I'm just not there yet. So yeah. Yeah, we've had some interesting answers, but no, I, I love I love writing fantasy. I think it kind of comes in part of the fact that I've been writing it for so long now. I would love to write science fiction, but I'm like you as well. I'm just like, I am nowhere near. I think I've started a couple of science fiction projects. I remembered writing a draft for a series uh, for one book. And I think I started writing the sequel to it, but then it just kind of got lost to the void. I don't even think I've got a digital copy of that draft anywhere now. Um, I would love to write science fiction, but I just, I'm not there yet. And also all the science stuff, like there is there's way too much like maths and science that I have to like wrap my head around to at least make it a story with science fiction that I want to tell. I like, would, I talked, my, my, my friend talked about that, how he, um, oh, he talked about how he hires somebody to do the science for him and, you know, like a, you know, like a developmental uh, editor he does a science developmental editor so that he checks his you know his science for his science fiction and he also um has a friend who used to be in the military um in the marines and it's like a military sci-fi um so he's been having somebody go over it um to be like a military developmental editor and i'm like yeah, yeah that's such a good idea because i thought about doing that for um you know, like quite a few things. Like I, I got this one, like, uh, you know, idea where I just wanted to be like, basically like a, like a whole Native American world, um, kind of thing with like urban fantasy. And I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know that much. And no matter how much I read, I feel like I'm not going to get it right. And I thought, well, it'd be really cool to talk to, you know, somebody who actually knows these things and, you know, to really work on it with. So, yeah, I think I would have to do that with somebody with science fiction though. Like I'd have to, you know, because I feel like you either have the hard sci-fi people or, you know, people like me who like really don't care. They just want a good story and good characters. But yeah. You know, like, I, just, I, I, I just want to write a story about, you know, just space pirates. Just let me write my space pirates. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like someone's going to be like, uh, they could not get to that world. Or like, you know, like they would not be able to do interplanetary travel, um, you know, based off of your technology. And I've known a lot of sci-fi authors who have, who have done the hard science with somebody or themselves and have been like, oh my gosh, like this is totally how it is. And I'm just like, yeah, like everybody would probably hate my science fiction right now, <laughs> the science part. So I was like, I'll just stick to fantasy in the meantime. But yeah, I think it'd be really cool to, you know, to die. I love the planets though, you know, like I've been looking into and researching the moons within our solar system. And I came up with like a really good, um, you know, cause we have so many moons that have water um you know on them like ice and everything or like maybe water underneath i thought well wouldn't it be cool if the aliens within our solar system were actually on these moons and were actually aquatic um and i thought that would be like a really cool you know like they'd have to have water with them in their suits or you know or something you know kind of like um oh like admiral akbar or something like that from like yeah Star you know but like you know like and like kind of I kind of world built some different things. And it is kind of interesting though. Um, and this is why I like science fiction is like I actually looked into a lot of history with like ancient aliens and stuff. And there are quite a few that had talked about being visited, like ancient people talked about being visited by like aquatic aliens, which nobody ever talks about. Uh so I actually just inserted that into a science fiction story that I was writing. Um, 
but yeah, I just, but then I got hung up on, you know, all the, the actual science research. So I thought, why not just write the story and then give it to, you know, like him and just my friend, just give it to somebody who's actually good at science, <laughs> which is probably like anybody else other than me. So. Oh, I'm so bad at it. Like, oh, I was an English kid at school. And oh, me I, too. Yeah. I struggled so hard with science. So I was like, uh, I think if I do it, it's just going to have to be something I'm going I'm gonna have to have a lot of spare time to do research and to actually figure out how I want to tackle it. Cause like I got a lot of lot of ideas, but I don't know, nothing's really standing out for a story that I really want to sit down and commit to yet. So getting there. Yeah, and I, you know, and a lot of people I talked to too, like um, you know, talked to quite a few people who had moved on, you know, and they said, you know, it's probably better to stick with fantasy or for a while if that's what you're better at you know get a little bit of a name out there and then you know hopefully people will you know some people will jump with you to your sci-fi series or you know you'll get a new you know uh, genre community and then you know you either have the joint one and then two separate ones you almost have like three different communities um that definitely seems to work for quite a few people that i've seen so yeah I, I'm, I'm just like you i'm like yeah, i don't really have any real story i'm like i just like researching science fiction stuff so <laughs> like probably should have a story before writing a book I guess but. yeah it's I've got, well, I've got so many other projects where I'm just kind of resisting the urge to tackle anything like sci-fi at the moment so I was like no I need to finish you know the the girl of ash and snow series I need to finish that and then then maybe I will tackle it but I know that as I say that I'm going to get to like book four and already have the next two series lined up or yeah, yeah, yeah. or you're going to watch like another episode of Firefly and be like ooh shiny <laughs> like, <laughs> that's always oh. I stay away from that I stay away from science fiction shows right now until I'm done with this fantasy book because I will get so and then like I start watching superhero stuff and I'm like oh I have like a couple of those ideas I'm like yeah I'm like my wife she's like you gotta just write this stupid book <laughs> before you can <laughs> look at it I'm like, no, I, I understand. Uh, so what do you think the easiest thing is to write? A, uh, what do you think the easiest thing? What is the easiest thing to write about when it comes to creating? I don't even think that makes sense. Is this the oh, character I, question? What's the, it's number five. I, I've been up all day. What is, <laughs> what do you think the easiest thing is in terms of your writing process? Like, do you think it's characterization? Do you think it's creating characters? Um, you know, do you think it's, you know, um, I, it just seems like you have, have really good characterization, first of all. Uh, but I want to know, like, is that the easiest thing for you? Or is it maybe like world building? Is it coming up with the overall, you know, uh, plot and story structure of your book? You know, like, what's the easiest thing for you in terms of writing like this first book or just your writing just in general? Like, what comes the easiest to you? I feel like I always come up with really cool world building ideas, uh, but my characterization is pretty weak. So my stories, and they always seem to kind of start off in very much the same fashion, but a lot of the times it's the first chapter and I have no idea with the characters, the world. I just, I have a loose scene in my head and, you know, I roll with it. And from there, the characters take shape first. And then, then the world kind of starts to expand and kind of ripple outwards in terms of that. Um, like the Girl of Ash and Snow, the opening scene, in the draft um and the scene is still in the book it's just not the first paragraph so to speak um and it was the character 
it opens on like a cliff face and you've got these team of climbers scaling this like this sheer cliff that kind of disappears up into the clouds and you know you have these sweeping mountains in one like in front of you um and then behind you you've just got this lowland and the rest of the kingdom and it was kind of that scene of like them on the side of the cliff and that was the opening moment and I find that that's the easiest for me is okay what's I just let the opening moment come to me and then characters depending on the story um like tackle characters kind of in a two different ways one I will actually sit down and write pages for them um and it's mainly just their backstories their what happens to them in the series I don't really plan at the start um I just kind of do their backstory who they are and just kind of roll with it for a few days and you know tweak it as I go um I might go onto Pinterest and find a photo that I can just stick on the word document that no one will see this is just purely for like as like a just a general reference or just so I can yeah. loosely remember what the person's hair color and stuff is or a quick visual um or I will like write the story and I will just let the character sort of develop as they do with the series which is probably not the best method for <laughs> everyone um it just kind of happens um sometimes I will write a whole draft with a character and I'm still a little bit uncertain with sort of their reactions and you know their story and their sort of their personality might not get really come out until I start the editing process so that's the the fun thing I just I try not to confine my work too much with planning I kind of I'll plan a bit and just let things go and then tweak and sort of try and not force things too much because I found that when I was planning too heavily and getting too finicky with characterization or you know getting too finicky with it it was it was feeling too wooden it was yeah. I, I kind of wanted to, okay, I'm going to put my, this character in this situation and I'm just going to let them react and we'll just see how they go. Um, and, you know, it's it's worked really well for me so far. And, you know, yeah, that's pretty much how I think Ren's character came out was like when I was writing the first chapter and, you know, she's doing her job and then, it, you know, pretty quickly on she, you know, faces off with a wyvern and, I would be terrified and she's just like mm -hmm. yep this is this is not a good day <laughs> um and she you know freaks out a little but you know still manages to hold her ground and but I didn't know much about her backstory when I was writing this character I kind of originally just had her as one thing and then as I was writing the series and you know really developing what I wanted to do with this character and really where I wanted to take her for the series um all these start, little things started to creep in and then I would go back and tweak it and yeah the character just really developed from there. I'd be interested to know what um Pinterest um no no one is seeing my phone. I bet you I could send you a couple uh, of art from Pinterest and just ask you you know like is this what you were thinking uh, <laughs> there's a couple that I, I have uh from pinterest actually that i like really like uh, a couple of characters from um uh you know from pinterest i just it, i set a timer for myself on there and i only allow <laughs> five minutes because otherwise because uh, then you know then i'm like oh but then i like that character for this story idea and then I, all of a sudden i saved 100 photos and haven't written <laughs> it that day so 
definitely helpful. Like you said, right. If you need, you know, uh, you know, some sort of characterization photo or portrait or, you know, I, I love doing that. It always helps until I go on to Pinterest and waste three hours. <laughs> well, I had like, I had one picture and it was actually my screensaver for I, on my other laptop for like two years. Um, and it was a, it was a scene of like this mountain scene and it had this absolutely stunning like castle built into the cliff face and, you know, sort of dragon ornaments all through it and it was incredible. And I was like, yeah. And so like little elements of that have, has kind of, you know, sowed the seed uh, for elements of my story and I was like, that is an absolutely awesome picture. That's super cool. Uh, so what do you think one part of the writing process is for you that you struggle with the most? Or maybe it could even be like your process. I know, <laughs> like trying to restructure my you know, novel with a draft two and not just trying to fix it and then rewrite a whole other book, you know, trying to like restructure the outline yeah. makes sense. And then to fit in, like you were saying, like those characterizations to make it a little bit better because now they're talking to you before they ignore me. I uh, know that's been really difficult for me, but, you know, like what's one part of your writing process that you struggle with the most, do you think? So it's kind of, I'd say two things, and it's very much like you, it's resisting the urge to like fully scrap the book, like when I'm going through it and just <laughs> writing it. So, and I'm noticing it a little, obviously now I'm going through and actually doing a bit more structural work and and the first run through with um, book two. And it's, oh, good. There's I like I, I know that there's, I've already made a list of like scenes and, and chapters that I need to add in and it's trying to figure out, okay, where am I doing this? What am I taking out? So I struggle with that because I'm just like trying to get everything. It's like assembling a jigsaw puzzle, but not really knowing what the actual picture is. It's yeah. just putting pieces and hoping they fit. Um, and then the second one is is marketing, which is just, a whole just monster on itself and like I just get days and I'm just like so burnt out and I'm just like oh, I don't want to do any marketing so I just won't market for like three or four days because I'm just like I can't bring myself to sort of sit down for a couple of hours and, and really do marketing I should be marketing a lot more than I am um I'm just so busy at the moment and I'm just oh yeah yeah, yeah but marketing is a it's a monster I'm slowly learning and I will eventually figure it out and not be so terrible at it um I could read a lot more sort of tips and stuff but I think at this point there's only so much unfortunately that I can read with all this advice columns and stuff because yeah before it's like okay I just need to I learn best by trial and error so I've made a lot of mistakes with this book launch and um and with the book in general and the whole process um and I did beat myself up a little bit with it at the start. Um, but now I'm not punishing myself as much and, and learning with those mistakes. But just learning how to market is just such a process. Oh, yeah. It's like you have to be, you know, like Dirk Ashton talks a lot about it. You got to be, you know, eight different people all in one, you know, and it's like it's hard enough to, you know, like I, we were talking, um, me and uh, Tilt Holt, and we were talking about how, you know, somebody had DNF'd for her, like, pretty ridiculous, like, pretty, pretty late, you know, like, I think it was, like, 80 or 85% or something like that, and 
you know, and then left like a one-star review and we were just discussing our first episode with me where it's like, you know, like authors spent, we spent so much time and energy and even money, right. For indie authors, you know, to present the product, but then it's like the books don't just sell themselves. Like you have to actually then sell your book and then learn how to sell your book. And yeah, it's definitely a process. And yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, and you see so many great books, like I said, like, you know, Michael Webb, like I was like, I'm everywhere. Like, it's what I thought at least, you know, I'm like, and then your, your book too. I'm like, how did I not see these two books, you know? And then somebody else, I had about four more people pop up for me last week. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm scouring the internet for you. People. I'm like, how, you know, I'm like how, and all these groups and things. And I'm like, how, how am I missing you guys? You know? And, you know, but it's, it just goes to show, right. There's just so much out there. It's, it's not you. It's, me with my terrible advertising skills and trying to I swear to God, they're like, what happened to seeing you? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just atrocious at the internet. <laughs> I am a social hermit. I barely leave my apartment. Um, and like, I sort of dabbled a little bit with TikTok, but I hate like having my face and doing video recordings and stuff. I just feel so uncomfortable with it. Um, and I see it work really, really well for other authors, but I'm just like, I can't commit to the hours. Like my work life is just so busy and the amount of hours I was just like, ah, I'm just, I'm just going to stick with Twitter. And eventually when I get my act together, I'll do Instagram a bit more as well, but I will get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marketing is that piece where that's what I was saying. I like, I'm just trying to, you know, play around with the, you know, just the podcast advertising and stuff just to kind of, you know, just to see what groups, you know, people are actually, you know, um, you know, interesting, you know, interested in and things like that, you know, and I just want to even just see the formatting alone. And I, I feel like if I waste 50 bucks on advertising this podcast, like, you know, and only get like four people for subscribers, I feel like it's a win. And I, you know, but if it's a book, you know, and I do that and I don't get a lot, I'm going to feel really bad. I feel like, so I'm like, I'm going to put up the podcast on advertising and kind of try to learn from that a little bit more, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm like, where it's like, uh, I was just listening to somebody like, you know, marketing is like an ocean and you still have to, you know, build the boat yourself <laughs> when you're an indie author. And I, I feel like that was right build on the, the boat learn how to sail when you've never sailed before and you can't even swim when you're doing this so you have no swimming skills and if you fall yeah. off the boat there's no stars by the way like it's just overcast yeah. so. <laughs> no and then it gets stormy and choppy and you're like i yeah. am not prepared for this shark infested waters you know there's a crack yeah. or five surrounding your boat the whole time yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely marketing for indie in a nutshell <laughs> I look, I get why so many people do go down like the traditional path because learning how to like do all the marketing yourself is yeah. so daunting. And like a lot of the guys that I talk to with the reasoning why a lot of them do go, a lot of them, yeah, why a lot of them go traditional is just the, the marketing side of it. Also, you know, the financial side of it because self-publishing is a can be a costly venture um in uh, in a few different ways and I feel like the moment I just keep hemorrhaging money trying to get this book off the ground oh yeah yeah like my friend asked because I'm like doing certain like I'm a teacher but like I do a lot of other things and uh, he's like well you're working really hard I said well I have to work hard now because I was like I don't want to have to work harder later I said I want to have the money set aside for advertising and 
you know, and book covers and edits and things like that, at least for the first three books, you know, and yeah. uh, first trilogy. And then, you know, I said, if you, you know, the more money you have for advertising, I'm like, and the better your advertising campaign. And, you know, I'm like, you're just, you're just going to do better. You know, I said, your marketing campaign, I said, you know, and I know a couple of people actually, which I thought was interesting, um, you know, who actually hired, um, you know, like a, a marketing agency to help them market their book and, uh, you know, and themselves, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so I might actually look into doing that or just get some sort of, you know, like marketing consulting or something like that. Um, because yeah, I'm not very good at it. So maybe, maybe that'll be a genius move by me later. And we could talk about it on the podcast, but in the meantime, it's just a thought, I guess, but. No, I, I would love to do that. I think I would love to sort of look at that probably once I've released at least maybe book two and I've got a little bit more, hopefully some income coming in because, you know, oh, yeah. my family is like, they're like, oh, you know, we, you know, we want to really support you. You know, are you, I, they have this, I think, misconception that I'm immediately going to make all my money back in the first month, <laughs> um, that I'm going to have all these books sold and, you know, I'm going to be raking in the money. And I'm just like, statistically, I think you have to, for a lot of self indie authors, it's like you almost need to get like four or five books out yeah. to develop enough readership. So, like, I, I said to my mom one day, I was like, yeah, like, it's probably going to be about three or four years before I'm like really turning a decent profit, maybe at least 12 months to break even. And she just looked at me and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, this. I'm not doing this for money straight off the bat. Like this is, this is not immediately going to be a get rich quick scheme. Like this is a, this is a, this is a slow hike. Yeah. This is not a sprint. I don't know. I mean, you never know, you know, you could be like Michael and then bust out 15,000 copies, you know, in the next, you know, 10 to 13 months. Um, That'd be great. I mean, you got a great looking product. I mean, it sounds really interesting, you know, so hopefully, you know, Hopefully, like, that's why I was trying to tell a friend of mine, he's like, well, how much are you going to advertise? I said, we're going to advertise a bit, but not like super crazy. But yeah, it's like, I always say on here, you're one click away, you know, and I feel like that's Amazon, you know, or, you know, just indie publishing in a nutshell, you know, you got, it takes one person, right, to, to share, you know, at the right time. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, it just yeah. you know, it goes crazy. So really hoping that that's the case for you. So well, you I mean, that race. So. um that raises a really good point i think like case in point and i look you know what? i'm gonna say that i've read this series um so there was a series that blew up on tiktok and if anyone is prolific on book talk um will probably know exactly what series i'm talking about but it was about uh, i was earlier this year this tiktok person uh reviewed this book called ice planet barbarians mm. and it is essentially just you know that you know, science fiction romance kind of series, and you're going to look it up too, aren't you? I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it's just wait. Somebody just sent this to me, like literally two days ago. <laughs> because so this book, like the author has been writing for like the past seven years, and I think I spot the first book of this series. But and there's 22 books in this first series alone. Wow. Um, and then there's a spinoff, and I may or may not have read most of the spinoff as well um and like you know she was doing really well and she is doing really well um but this series just exploded on tick on tiktok and like it hit international magazines and um she actually got picked up by a publishing house who have uh, just redone the book covers for, i think for the first two books of uh one of her series um so i think 
Barnes and Nobles and all that. I've got like the special edition covers, um, which look incredible. And I'm super happy for this author. Like she's amazing. But, you know, the power of the internet and the right place at right time is, you know, the books were doing really well, but then they just exploded into this international phenomena um, in, in a matter of weeks and months and was everywhere. So, yes, I have read it. <laughs> Yeah, it looked good. But like my friend, she was like, "You should, you should ask this person to be on your podcast." I said, "Well, I'll ask anybody." So, I was oh like, my god, if you can get Ruby Dixon, the author, on there, oh my god, she she would be an amazing person to pick her brain. <laughs> yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, I know. Um, I I don't think they sent me this cover though. I think they sent me a different cover. But yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds really cool." <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just interesting, right? Where, yeah, it's just, you're just one click away. I, I said that to a couple of people. I said that, uh, you know, quite a few of my friends lately, they're like releasing books, you know, within the next six months. I'm like, as I said to Michael too, you know, the other day I said, Michael Webb, I said, you're just one click away, you know, and you just never know. So hopefully you're the same way, right? Hopefully you're just, you know, one click away. So that'd be really, really cool. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I have my fingers crossed. Next, Ice Planet Barbarian. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well so you've actually given us quite a few um you know for number eight there like authors like you would recommend or just like books so i mean i feel like we've gotten like some really good ones but do you have any other ones i feel like you have some really uh unique ones that a lot of people have sent to me but it's good because i don't have them right here in front of me so are there any other authors or books like you you know you're really into right now that you'd recommend <laughs> that implies i've had time to read um i know right <laughs> So I just got the third book um, from an author called Scarlett Sinclair. She's written a um, Hades and Persephone retelling um, and a really good series. I've got, what's the third one? A Touch of Malice is the third book. So book one, I think, is A Touch of Darkness. Book two is A Touch of Ruin uh, and so on. Um, she's really good. Um, another author that's actually on the Discord server that I um I'm on and has written two books and I'm not sure when the third one's coming out but um Heather Smith she writes uh werewolf books so she's got two out at the moment um absolutely incredible she's another self-published author and I highly recommend uh people checking out her work um first one is uh Shadow of Twilight which is just a uh, a werewolf romance book but it is amazing with how she's written it and so it like devoured it i was also one of the beta readers for it as well oh that's cool. um so i saw that book from its like early infancy to you know that day i finally held a, a paperback copy in my hands and i was like this was so exciting <laughs> that's awesome. oh actually you uh, know uh yeah heather smith uh i just started following her on twitter um i think she's I have her in my second round here uh, for trying to get for February. She wrote, yeah, yep, yep. The Shadows of Twilight. Yep, yep. She would be the one. She, she is incredible. Yeah, we're on the same discourse. Over and she was, yeah, one. I was one of her uh, early beta readers, and I highly recommend her series. It's just amazing. And she does not get nearly as much credit as she should uh, oh. for her work. 
Um, I've got so many books on my bookshelf, but I'm just like, I don't know which one to recommend. <laughs> I've, I haven't done as much those reading as really I want to. Ones, I mean, like, yeah, those have been some really good ones. Because it's funny because you mentioned a lot of people on here today that like people have just sent me within literally the last like, like three weeks or that I, like Heather, I found, I think maybe like three or four days ago. So I've been trying to find, you know, a lot of people, just like newer people. And, you know, I just, I feel like, again, it's, you know, a lot like the community itself where it's like, you want to hear from different people because they have a different perspective. And, you know, I've been really trying just to like find all sorts of different books and the fantasy and, you know, science fiction community. And I feel like a lot of people neglect a lot of different, um, you know, subgenres and things like that. Um, so I'm trying to get a lot more people on now, like, um, you know, just in general, like paranormal romance, just, you know, really just whatever, um, you know, everybody's welcome as long as it's not fiction, not fiction, you know, as long as it's got, because like some people ask me about horror, I'm like, I consider horror or, you know, or supernatural, you know, stuff, I consider that fantasy, you know, and, you know, they might have some real world elements like urban fantasy, but, you know, I, can, I put those kind of things all in the same world um yeah so i was just trying to kind of go about it but yeah heather's book seems uh her series seems really cool so well she was actually the reason i got the cover company that i did so i ended up going with a company called uh miblart so m-i-b-l-r-m-i-b-l-a-r-t you got to get out of my head i just found them yesterday they are incredible they so yeah, they are the covers yeah, they they created um, book one's cover. They've created oh, book two's oh, cover. Wow! Um, and they're creating book three's cover at the moment because they had a they had a discount like Christmas special on. I think it's over now, and it was like twenty five percent off for their um, ebook and paperback kind of bundle that they do. So I just get that cool. every time, and they're so good because I can pretty much go, "Hey, this is what I want," and but I don't have a blurb. I I barely finished the draft um and they can pretty much give me back a product and then when I'm ready to release the book and I actually have a blurb I just email them and be like hey I've got the blurb can we chuck it on now um and they're really good for those kinds of changes and, and working with me and just so quick I highly recommend them as a company and obviously you know they are the reason I have such a stunning cover so yeah I mean it, it, I mean I was curious because I was like and not not that the ones that they're advertising you know, weren't amazing, but I was just like, I just want to know, I just want to know people who have worked with people who I'm trying to work with, you know, and because I don't want to fall into a, you know, like I said, like a Rob J. Hay scenario where it's like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like the first person I had to do my logo for my book series, like, I just wanted something for the website. And I feel like I spent too much and I didn't get the best. And uh, they asked me like later on, they're like, well, make sure, you know, if you're not totally thrilled with it, like, let us know. Well, they completely shut down their entire um, like Twitter account, could never find like their website was down, you know, just like one of those, you know, learning experiences. But I was like, ever since then, I'm just like, I just want to know somebody that knows that person. So I'm so glad that you brought them up because, um, yeah, I'd love to get hold of them and, and see what they what they could do for me in the future. And they have some great looking covers, particularly I really like their uh, urban fantasy ones. So I'm so glad that you, you mentioned them because that's just really great to know that you had such a great cover from them. Yeah. Oh, and they're so quick with their turnaround. Like, I think there's a little bit of delay at the moment because they're really busy at the moment, which sure. I was like, oh, I'm literally in no rush. Book three is not coming out till at least 2023. Um, I'm not in any huge rush. It was just you guys had a sale on and 
yeah. I like buying book covers for books I haven't finished yet. I know that feeling. <laughs> <Or just laughs> in general. Um, but I think, you know, book covers, you know, the expression don't judge a book by its cover, it's such an outdated expression now because that is how we buy books. Yep. Um, and especially on Amazon where you're quickly scrolling through and you want something that's eye-grabbing, like yeah, just yeah. eye-catching. And, yeah, I was like, no, this is going to be something I am going to invest money in. So that, the formatter and the editor were like the three main expenses for this book. Um, and the book cover was it had to be, it had to convey certain elements with the book. So that's why there's a dragon on it. There's, there's a reason. That's why there's a burning village in the background. Um, that's why Ren's on the cover. Um, even the sword that she's got has a lot of significance as well. So there's a lot of little elements with that series, uh, with the story itself that they brought to life on the cover. And invest in your covers. That is like the best advice I can give is just invest in a good cover. I got to say, I've seen a lot of covers that they did, you know, um, you know, on their website. Yours has to be my favorite they've done so far. So, yeah, it's it definitely well, cases like, you know, just different. I don't know how to explain it. Like it showcases a different style than um, than I think personally that they're showing, you know, at least from the couple of pages that I saw, uh, you know, their advertised covers. Well, they really like really good. Like I well, I. Before I went to them, I was like, okay, well, I need an idea of what I want for a cover. So I browsed Pinterest for like a bunch of kind of just fantasy covers and just tried to go, okay, well, what's eye-catching to me? And I found something, found a few that I really like style-wise and I pretty much just gave them a few different covers and I was like, hey, like I like this from this cover, this from this cover, and here's my story and here's the elements that I want. And they're really good and like – I was actually really flattered after they made the cover that um, my book cover was actually part of their advertising scheme for their company for um, quite a few months um, after I, after they'd made it. Like it was on like their banners and stuff. And I was like, oh, look, that's that's my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks terrific. They are. They're incredible. I'm super excited for, for book three because obviously – Book one's got a very gold theme. Book two is a very much darker. It's got a more of a red theme to it. And then book three has got a very dark and stormy kind of blue theme. So very excited when I get the draft for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super cool. Uh, just uh, so right here for this last one, just because I know we got about four minutes till the recording runs out on Spotify. We want to make yep. sure we uh, let people know where to find your books. Uh, so obviously... You know, uh, by the time this recording comes out, people will be able to go onto um, Amazon, correct? Uh, yes. And, the book. and then you said uh, this, uh, the 16th, so two days later um, from this recording for the physical copy? Yeah, so it'll largely depend on sort of once I've uploaded it to Amazon, how quickly they actually approve it because the whole process for them can be a bit messy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so hopefully between the 14th as late as the Friday, so the 17th, it will be available, um, but the ebook will be available on the 14th. Um, it's part of the Kindle Unlimited program. So if you're part of that, you can download it for free and read it that way. Um, otherwise, Barnes and Nobles, as I didn't know until you showed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. Um, if you want a signed copy, um, check out my website, which is just cmquinnauthor.com. Um, it's on my Twitter bio and all of that as well. Um, you, there are some 
limited uh, signed copies still available if you would like to order them. And there will be some uh, merchandise boxes as well with signed copies. So I got a bunch of custom art made for mugs, bookmarks, key rings, posters. Uh, so the map in the book is a poster. So lots of little goodies that'll be available on my website shortly for purchase. Oh, that's really cool. I know, and um, just so you know, if you want to send me any of your socials too, um, or anything, I'll put those all in the description. We get 5,000 characters uh, for all three of the sites that we're on uh, for the podcast. So we'll put all those in the description for you, uh, including the Barnes and Noble that I found for you. Um, so we'll put that in there as well. That way people can go right there and um, and check that out. So we'll get all those on there for you. Uh, again, really want to thank you for coming on, Chloe. Uh, it's been great chatting with you today. Like I said, really can't wait to have you back for February, she wrote, and uh, really hope, you know, good luck this week. If there's anything, you know, we can do to help you out and, you know, send anything to me, obviously, that you want shared um, and, you know, on Twitter and things like that. And I'll make sure those get shared with everybody uh, as much as possible. And, you know, we'll try to help you have a really good opening week here for book one. And everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I know a lot of people are probably like, man, that was a lot. But, you know, sometimes we just get magic. You know how it goes. Every time, you know, we had Mallory Kuhn on, it happens too. I see you, Mallory. Uh, we <laughs> want to thank everybody for tuning in to Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. Uh, you can find this on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Again, thanks, Dave, for helping us get the audio on Spotify and RSS.com. Uh, if you want to uh, email me at scholarsofuma, that's U-M-A at gmail.com. I uh, can pass any messages, comments, things like that. Any questions uh, for Chloe? Um, again, everything we'll put in the description for her to find her book or to get to her socials. Um, make sure you guys check us out next time. Uh, and especially for uh, Chloe's second one with us, it's going to be uh, either early, um, it's going to be either in January or February, excuse me, uh, for our February she wrote. Uh, Chloe, thank you so much for coming on and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday because uh, you're ahead of me, right? And uh, yes. you know, hopefully I will talk to you soon. Actually, obviously I'll talk to you soon on Twitter and I'll uh, send these uh, uh, links for you and then we can both share them and we'll help you have a really good opening week, okay? Okay, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Feel free to come by and uh, talk fantasy or sci-fi anytime with us, okay? Okay, bye. Excellent. Have a good day, bye.